Hello and welcome. This is the final episode in our Burning Heart podcast series, Prayer, Learning from Jesus. Like all our series, this was originally written for the film version and we do think it works best on film. But there are lots of reasons why you might want to use a podcast version instead. So here it is. My name's David Ingle and I'm the founder and leader of Burning Heart and this is episode four. How do I pray? Nike is one of the most famous and recognisable brands in the world. And alongside its logo, most of us also know the strap line, just do it. And for them, that's obviously about encouraging us all to do more exercise and sport and, of course, to wear their kit while we do. Over the years, though, their tagline has also become my top tip in prayer. Just do it. I found that when I actually get down to prayer, it's much easier than I think. Because praying as a Christian isn't actually about techniques or experience or getting it right, but about relationship, talking to our Father in heaven. Jesus' most famous teaching on prayer comes in the middle of the so-called Sermon on the Mount. It's one of two places where he taught the Lord's Prayer, and it starts with the words, When you pray. He's assuming that we will just do it. The most important thing about prayer may be doing it in the first place, but thankfully Jesus doesn't leave it there. And he continues with lots more helpful teaching and insight about how we can go about doing it. And interestingly, he starts with how not to pray, saying, Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Instead, we're told to pray in secret in our rooms so that we really are focused on God. The point that Jesus is making is less about how we do it. You can pray in your room, but not on a street corner. It's not that. But why? The people Jesus is criticising did it to impress others, and that's no good. Prayer is about me and God, you and God. So Don't pray because you feel you have to, or because I told you to, or to impress others. Pray because you have something to say to God. And actually, Jesus' encouragements to us to prioritise prayer aren't given as a burden, but as a gift. I spoke to all the people that I've interviewed for the previous episodes of this series as part of this episode as well. And I asked them to tell us a bit about how they pray. And a common theme was how much we get out of prayer. This is Pip. My happy, happy, happy moments and my happy, happy, my most peaceful time is sitting with Jesus, just him and me together and having a conversation with him. He always says, you know, I'm, I'm sitting out waiting for you. I'm just come and sit with me and be with me. Um, because I've been rushing around, doing this, doing that, doing washing, fetching children, do all the things that you do, um, putting him absolutely to the bottom of the pile, forgetting, you know, sometimes, um, if, I, if you just sit with Jesus, he'll sort it all out for you. <clears throat> it's not like a big, long prayer of da-da-da-da and smells and bells. It's every day, <clears throat> a simple, like I'm talking to you now, Jesus is sitting there, talking to you know we're chatting and having a lovely Mm. conversation together when I don't do it skid in the wrong direction Mm. do a upside down 
Bolamakisi, as we call it in South Africa, somersault of like, oh, and I'm not saying that doesn't happen when you do pray, because it, 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 it you know, it happens even when you pray. But I think the most important thing, what from my experience, is that that Jesus is our friend, that he absolutely loves us, and that he loves us sitting and being with him quietly. When we don't do that, I'm saying for me, when I don't do that, everything goes wrong. It's just not only everything goes wrong, but you, at the end of the day, you think, oh gosh, you know, I haven't really consciously asked the Lord for permission. Mm. It's like life's out of kilter a bit. Yes, yes, exactly. Pip's prayers are very uncomplicated and unselfconscious. And I think that's because she realises what it means to pray to God as Father. And as Jesus continues his teaching on prayer, that's where he turns next. He contrasts how we're supposed to pray with the pagans, who he says, keep on babbling, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. It's actually an easy mistake to make, thinking that God listens because we pray well. But Jesus tells us not to worry about that, saying, your father knows what you need before you ask him. It's an image I love because it reminds me of my relationship with my daughter. She's 18 months old and just learning words and short sentences, and she almost never tells me something I didn't know. But I just love being with her and talking with her. And I think she enjoys being with me. And when she asks me for things or needs a hug when she cries, I love to do it. Not because she asked well, but because I love her. And it's the same with us and God. He wants us to pray and he answers our prayers and the rest of it, not because we're any good at it, but because he loves us. And actually, like a father helping their daughter, he wants to help us as we pray. One of Jesus's great promises of the Holy Spirit comes at the end of the other passage where he teaches the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. Your Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So the best way to grow in prayer is to ask God for help. And this all means that it's not about performance and there's no one right way to pray. There's a wonderful range and variety of prayers in the Bible. As many ways of praying in it as there are people. You can walk, sit down, stand up, kneel or dance. You can write your prayers down, act them out, whisper, shout or sing them. Speak normally or just keep silence. It's all there in the Bible. This is what Esther had to say. There are different types of prayers and you can do prayer in every way, shape or form. I think that sometimes and people think prayer has to be, you have to be in your room, you close the door and you don't go anywhere. You can go out. Sometimes I go out in the fields with the sheep and I just walk around and all the sheep are running because I'm praying loudly. And sometimes I'm like my poor neighbours because I live in a terrace house and they must be hearing this woman going, Hallelujah! <laughs> you know, um, I'm like my poor neighbours, they're very good. And But I go out in the field and you can pray anywhere. And I think that you can pray quietly you can pray loudly you can pray any way you want but having a conversation with God that's the most important part for me of what prayer is there's lots of ways of praying and one way we can grow in our prayers is by trying out new ideas and learning from each other I've grown lots in prayer over the years as I've tried out things I've picked up from reading books or listening to sermons or just chatting to friends some things I tried don't work so well for me and I just leave them there. 
but others really fly and I use them all the time, like going for walks as I pray or writing my prayers down like a letter. I also love to pray with other people. The Bible is full of corporate prayer. It's one of the big things that we see the early church doing in the book of Acts. And it's a great way to grow in prayer, particularly if this is all quite new to you. So one of my top tips is actually to go to your church prayer meeting. They're always full of experienced and passionate prayers. And we can all learn so much from them as they pray. But just generally, I'd encourage you to explore and try things out in prayer. And one reason I wanted to chat to Pip, Adrian and Esther was to pick things up from them. They're amazing prayers. They're very different from me. And they have so much experience and wisdom that I can draw on. One style of prayer I'm less familiar with is contemplative prayer. And I knew it's something Adrian grew up with. So I asked him a bit about it. So you don't just dive into silence or contemplation, but you walk slowly towards it. And there are a number of ways in which people do that. One of which would be what Benedictines call Lectio Divina, divine reading, where you read a passage of scripture, you then choose a bit that hits you, I'm not going to explain it in in any detail, and you stay with it, you chew over that, out of that you let prayer come, and at the end of the prayer you stay in a place of contemplation, which is a place of wordless acceptance that God is here and I am here, and there is nothing more that we need to say. But having spoken to you, God, I'll just sit with you for a while, because it's a wonderful place to be. When we are with God, God indwells us. God, it isn't an emptiness or an absence. And all of the Christian mystics give us various images which are not about emptiness at all. They are about leaving behind stuff and junk and busyness so that you can focus on the one thing that is needful. So you don't go to zero, you go to one. Teresa of Avila in her autobiography speaks about prayer as being like water. So it's very, and and there are different ways she says that water can be achieved. It can be achieved with hard work through Um, mechanics through pulling it up uh, and a well and then she goes all the way through to rain which just falls but it's always about the water which is the life the presence the indwelling of God so yes it's about more not less one question people always ask is when should I pray and one answer is all the time Paul tells us to pray continually which is a high bar. But in Matthew 6, Jesus seems to be talking about setting aside time to just pray. He says, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father. He's not saying you can only pray in your bedroom or that you can't pray with other people, as we've seen. But he is telling us to spend some time, presumably each day, on our own in prayer. And that was certainly Jesus' own practice 
And I found in my life that my personal prayer and time with God each day, usually reading the Bible as well as praying, is the bedrock of my relationship with God and actually everything else in my life. It can be any time. But even though I am emphatically not a morning person, I found that that's the best time for it. There's something about starting the day off with God. As a pastor, I used to be quite shy about all this, though. My church was in the City of London, London's financial district, and it's a world of long hours, hard work and no time. And I wanted to encourage prayer, but also to show grace for people in the midst of busy lives. But I came to realise that while God will always show grace to us, even if we don't pray, we're the ones that actually miss out. Not praying may free up a bit of time, but it cuts us off from the presence and peace and help of God, which is the one thing that we need more than anything else. So I know you're probably busy and carving out time for prayer is hard, but it is vital and you will never regret it. And of course, you are spending time listening to a podcast about prayer and the Bible, which suggests that you're, you're on, a good, on a good road. You've started well, so thumbs up to you. Be encouraged. At this point, though, people often say to me, well, can't I just pray all the time? And the Bible does have lots of examples of what my mum used to call arrow prayers, little prayers prayed in the midst of ordinary life. Nothing is too small for God and nothing is beyond God and so we can pray in everything. And yet somehow our little continual prayers are built on the times we spend alone with God. And Jesus did and commanded both. Adrian put it beautifully when we talked. And I really like the beginning of the day with prayer. That's the thing that then makes everything else become in some extended way prayer in the course of the day. All of life is lived in the presence of God whether or not we acknowledge God's presence. So everywhere is face to face with God so far as God is concerned and so in every place I can turn towards God and I can do that formally in the morning, in bed, using a psalm, using the scriptures. I can do it in activity either by inviting God into the mix, I'm thinking of baking bread here, or by attending to God in the activity that I'm doing, or by means of association. So I'm kneading and I'm aware of the presence of God and I might be talking to God and the physicality of it is also a way of being prayerful. So everything is not prayer, but everything can have a prayerful dimension to it. The final part of this passage is the Lord's Prayer. And its focus is not the practicalities and techniques of prayer, but its content. What should we pray for? In some ways, the answer is anything. If God is our Father, there's nothing we can't say to him. But clearly Jesus did want to guide and steer what we pray about. And the Lord's Prayer is like a map or guidebook 
helping us find our way around in prayer. The simplest way to use it is just to pray the prayer itself, using its actual words. It can be a shared prayer in a church or group or an easy way to pray on our own. But we needn't stop there. And the Lord's Prayer can also be a launch pad for more prayer as we use each line to guide and inspire us to pray more along the same lines. The great reformer Martin Luther used to do this in his prayers and it's something Esther also recommended. Invite the Holy Spirit and just say, Lord, I don't know how to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's the simplest. Open your Bible, get the Lord's Prayer and every verse is a prayer point. Our Father who art in heaven, my Father in heaven, I bless you, I thank you for my day. I give you glory, thank you for my life, for my family. That's the first prayer point, my Father in heaven, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Praise his name, I praise your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, I pray for your kingdom to come, your will be done on this earth. Lord, I ask that you bless me, that you, sh you give me the tools that I know that I have. Encourage me to change this world for your glory. You begin to break all of the verses down by prayer points and you begin to find you've just been half an hour praying the Lord's Prayer out of nothing. So we have a, a it tool everything, and a helper. A tool and a helper, so absolutely. That, yeah. We, it's we, all there. We've got what we need to pray for. Absolutely. And then the Holy Spirit comes yeah. alongside. And yes. Makes it your easy. kingdom come, your will be done on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. You pray for yourself, Lord, give me what I need today. Because he says, the birds of the air, they don't, you know, but they get everything they need. How much more? My children, the ones that I love, made in my image and likeness, you know, the ones I love, you know, give me my daily bread, Lord. I ask that you provide for me everything because it tells us not to worry. So that's why you pray for yourself, you pray for provision. So you break it all down by prayer point by prayer point and you just take it one at a time. There's no rush. And just pray what even comes in your heart. And then you begin to develop your prayer life. Both Esther and Luther highlight how the Holy Spirit so often speaks to us when we pray in this way. Luther calls it the Holy Spirit preaching. And he encourages us to, as he puts it, make room for such thoughts the reason being that when we do he says one word is better than a thousand it's easy to leave no space in our prayers for god to speak to us but however we pray it's always worth keeping listening for the whispers of god and actually using biblical prayers like the lord's prayer or a psalm or one of paul's prayers can be one way we can do that and be open to what god is saying to us a final way we can use the Lord's Prayer is to show us some of the main themes and types of prayer more generally. It starts with worship, as we declare who God is and pray for his name to be glorified. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It then moves on to intercession, asking for things, as we pray first for the things of God, for his plans and purposes to be worked out. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then for our own wants and needs, give us today our daily bread. We then come to confession, recognising our failings, repenting of them and asking God for forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Before finally returning to intercession, this time in spiritual warfare, as we ask for protection against evil and temptation. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one.
Most of us also then add a final line, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory, which is a great bit of prayer, but not actually in Jesus's original. And those themes that we see there, worship, intercession and confession, are prayer themes that actually we find everywhere in the Bible. But the Lord's Prayer isn't exhaustive. There are other types of prayer that we find elsewhere. And the biggest is probably thanksgiving, which is also a vital part of our prayer lives. That gives us four main categories as a basis for all our prayers. Worship, intercession, confession and thanksgiving. Or simply, wow, help, sorry and thank you. As we finish, can I pray for you and your prayer? Father God, thank you for everyone listening. Come by your Holy Spirit and meet with them now. Help them pray more and deeper. Come Holy Spirit. Amen.